Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Another week of Patriots baseball. That means we've got another Patriots in Pinstripes podcast this week. We will recap the Patriots series against the Portland Sea Dogs, and we'll also take a look ahead at a pivotal series against the Altoona Curve. That's all coming up next here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Hey there, everybody. Brandon Pelter with Mark Schwartz. Mark, and uh, a little bit of a disappointing week for Somerset. Had a really good opportunity. All they needed was a split to take the season series head-to-head against the Portland Sea Dogs, but they dropped four of six. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the series that Somerset was hoping for. Uh, We walked into that series thinking, you know, this is a team that Patriots had taken four of six against them in Portland earlier in the season. And it was a team that hadn't been playing particularly well. They had a a seven-game series against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies at the first leg of their long road trip. And they dropped five of seven to Binghamton, a team that is below 500 and who has struggled for the most part of the year. Uh, So it seemed as though the series was shaping up pretty well for the Patriots. uh, But there was a couple of games where, you know, it was decided by just a run or two runs, and there were plays here and there. There were missed opportunities for the team. Um, there were one or two big innings for Portland. Uh, but overall, a, uh, a series that the Patriots are going to look back on, you know, when we get to the end of the regular season, when we get to the end of September, and if the Patriots are knocking on the door of a playoff spot or if they're on the outside looking in, uh, they could very easily look back at a couple of games this week and say, you know what, that's, that could have been the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. On a positive note, there was a ton of excitement, though. A number of Major League Rehab appearances, two-time Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber appeared, Chris Gittens, Clint Frazier, and to top it all off on Sunday, uh, an all-star in Gary Sanchez played a couple innings for Somerset. So there was plenty of excitement at the ballpark. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, even Clark Schmidt had a start in there as well. Like, it, it was just a – it was a, it was an odd week. It was loaded with excitement, um, loaded with just energy because of all of these rehab assignments. And so, like, we were really excited to see them play and know that there were Patriots fans and Yankee fans that were coming out to the ballpark that were super excited to see them play. But it, w- it was odd in the sense that, you know, these are guys that aren't going to be with the team all season long. Corey Kluber made one start. We're not sure if he's going to make another start. Chris Gittens played in you know, the game last Sunday against Bowie and then played in one game for the Patriots this week and contributed a two-run home run. Uh, but he's, for the most part, not going to be with the team for the rest of the year. And that's just the way that these rehab assignments work. Gary Sanchez probably is going to only make that one start with the Patriots on Sunday. And so you have these guys that come in, and there's a lot of energy in the ballpark. Everyone's geared up and ready to see them play. Uh, but when you have these different rehab assignments come in, the continuity for the lineups are sometimes shifted. The continuity and the regular amount of rest that starting pitchers are receiving is thrown off, or the amount of work that relief pitchers get and on their schedule is kind of thrown off a bit as well. And look, you know, 
we're not going to turn down any rehab assignments. That's a part of, you know, what makes this partnership with the Yankees so exciting. The closest affiliate to the Bronx and brand new player facilities as well. And there's more that are even being constructed. So all of that is great. And we're going to take up 10 times out of 10. But, you know, it, it was a week where it was just this odd cocktail of important games against a division rival that have playoff implications mixed in with rehab assignments of guys that are just looking to get healthy and that are only going to spotlight for a game or two. So it, it, it was this, this odd mixture, and uh, I'm not saying that that's the reason why the Patriots dropped four of six games, because there's plenty of other reasons why, uh, but it was certainly a part of the equation in a week that was exciting. It saw a lot of fans at TD Bank Ballpark, got us a lot of engagement on social media, created memories uh, that are going to be lasting a long time for the Patriots organization, but a week also where they underperformed and only took two of six against the team that I think both of us going into the series felt pretty confident that they were overall a, a better collective group. It's been an odd development over the last week and a half or so. Somerset, who has been one of the best teams early in the first inning in terms of home runs and scoring, has fallen behind in eight of their last 11 games. What does it seem like happening early on now? Well, look, you know, part of it goes back to what we were just talking about, about those rehab assignments. Uh, you know, over this last two-week stretch, I mean, you're, you're talking about the last 13 games. That's pretty much this entire 12-game homestand and then the, the final game against Reading on the road. And you look at some of the starting pitchers in this road in this homestand. You have Luis Severino for two starts. You have Clark Schmidt for two starts. You have Corey Kluber for a start as well. And look, it's not just those guys, but Kluber struggled. Severino in his first start struggled. We you know obviously know what happened at his second start. Um, Clark Schmidt, each time that he was on the mound, he was trying to find himself, and there were times where he struggled as well. And you know, it just didn't fully connect. For, for some of those pitchers. And then, you know, on the, on the other side after that, you have somebody like Johnny Brito, who, you know, I'm sure we'll get into more. Johnny Brito has been brilliant for the team in his two starts. But look at the one common denominator uh, for Brito. He's allowed two runs in the first inning in each of those starts. One time he wound up being a tough luck loser. Uh, the other time the team rallied for five runs in the seventh inning and, and got him a win. And you know, it, it might be a strategy from other teams jumping on these guys early. We're not really quite sure, but uh, it has happened, and it makes it and it makes it difficult uh, for the Patriots. You know, in a sense where you have a lot of different guys that are feeling it out, guys moving up and moving down, new players from High Hudson Valley, and you're constantly finding yourself playing from behind, and and it's the antithesis of what we saw from this team early in the year. There were so many times where the Patriots earlier in the season would get out with that first inning lead. Uh, they, were, they were crushing it early in the season. And then you pair that with the strong pitching that this team has. And then, you know, you take that early lead and you find a way to coast and, and finish off the ball game. And that no longer is the case with these teams taking early leads against Somerset. Now the bats have to come to play. And, you know, with all of these new bats that are in town, uh, it has been a more difficult transition for them. I want to turn to some notable performances from this last week. The biggest one, Mark, that stands out to me, now it's not the highest in average per se, but I think one of the most important if this Patriots offense wants to get back on track, and that's Dermis Garcia, who finished the week 7 for 19. That's 368, 
a pair of homers in there as well. And that's coming off of last week against Bowie. I want to say, if I remember correctly, he hit around 286 or something in that range. He's putting the ball into play a whole lot more. And we've talked about it ad nauseum. But that is so important for this Patriots offense to have success. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, look, the name of the game for Dermis, you said it. It's just putting the ball in play. Because when he's able to put the ball in play, he's got that natural power. He just has an ability, unlike many other players on this team, to drive the ball. But what's been so difficult for Garcia this year is the sense of just putting the ball in play. He has 139 strikeouts now, over 284 at-bats. So about half of his at-bats have resulted in strikeouts. And that number is actually down a little bit um, in terms of a percentage based on where it had been. And that's because you mentioned it, Brandon, you know, he's been playing a lot better in the month of August, whether it be that last game against Reading, but really we're just looking at these two series at home in Somerset. He's batting 273 over those two series with five home runs and nine runs batted in, and he's getting on base at a 385 clip. Now, We've talked so many times about if he could just have that batting average at 215, 220, it would make a big difference for this team. You know, his batting average now overall on the season is up to 194, but 273 this homestand, look, it didn't quite result in a huge increase in wins for the team. And that's not necessarily what we're saying when we say it would be big for the team. What we're saying is that it would elongate the depth of the lineup. It would make him a more difficult out. And it would give other players an opportunity to perform as well. And what he's done so far this month has been really promising. The 273 batting average for August, albeit it's over just 13 games, but it is by far the highest batting average he has had in a single month this season. Whether that continues when the team hits the road and goes into Altoona and whether that continues for the rest of the season, that's still to be seen. But it goes back a lot to, you know, we've talked so much about how strong the coaching has been for this team this year. And, and it's, you know, it's a never-ending process with these guys. I mean, player development is number one priority for the coaching staff here. And you could see the development for Garcia where, you know, the power numbers, there was that stretch at the beginning of this homestand where he hit three home runs over a two-day stretch against Bowie. So the power numbers aren't going anywhere for Garcia, but his work with Joe Migliaccio, he's drawing more walks, he's getting on base more. The strikeout numbers are still high, but when he's barreling up pitches, he's having more success. And uh, it's really promising to see where he was at the beginning of the season, where he started, what, one for 17, and even had a really tough month of July, a tough month of uh, June as well. Uh, But where he is now, where he's getting on base, almost at a 400 clip, albeit over 13 games, but it's still been a promising stretch for Dermis. And there's another guy who I think has uh, slotted really nicely toward the top of the Patriots order, especially with the absence of Oswald Peraza this last week or so, and that's Brandon Lockridge. He's been with the Patriots about a month, and boy, it feels like he's been here the whole time. Just looking at this past week, he played in five games, and he went eight for 19, including uh, four extra base hits, that's three doubles, and a homer. I mean, he has been huge in that leadoff spot. He has. That was a vacancy once the New York Yankees traded Diego Castillo, along with Hoyt Park, over to the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. That was certainly a vacancy in the Patriots lineup. And, you know, Lockridge, right now, he's rated by MLB Pipeline as the number 15 prospect in the New York Yankees organization. So there certainly are high expectations for him. I think what's been almost the the most surprising but the most welcome surprise 
for Lockridge has been the power that he has brought to the table. This is a guy that, you know, in his time with high A Hudson Valley earlier this season, you know, he hit three home runs over 32 games, 22 runs batted in, uh, you know, and he only hit for the Renegades 256. So the numbers really didn't jump off the page in his time with high A Hudson Valley. Uh, but he's, you know, according to MLB Pipeline, they've got him at a 75 grade for his run. That's on an 80 scale. His power at 45, overall at 45. But he's been playing well above that in his time with Somerset. You mentioned it, 28 games. He's already more than doubled his home run total. Uh, with the Hudson Valley Renegades, he's batting almost 90 points higher with the Patriots than he did with the Renegades as well. And uh, it's just been this uh, secret sauce for him being at the top of the order with these strong bats that are hitting behind him. He's been getting on base. He's been popping home runs. And uh, he, you know, is really strong defensively as well. We saw a couple of plays even, you know, over the last couple of days where he just shows off that range in center. He's like a gazelle sometimes where he's just able to glide and cover so much ground and make it look effortless when he does. And it's such a valuable asset to have when you have a center fielder that can cover as much ground as he does. So he, he has been a really exciting player to watch. And, you know, right now, I would say one of the most prominent prospects on this team to follow. Uh, he, he's got a lot of traits, and it's going to be really exciting to watch his career grow. I think your description of his defense was near perfect because it just looks so simple for him out there. And he almost always gets that strong first step and looks like he's wading over to a ball to make a catch where he's really covering, you know, 20, 30 feet of ground. Uh, we can never have a conversation about the Patriots and not talk about pitching, even in a week where they struggled, because they did have a pair of exceptional starting performances. We start with Hayden Wisniewski, who threw the first complete game shutout for a Patriot this season. Now, it wasn't a seven-inning game, but he downright shoved on Wednesday in game two of a doubleheader. He absolutely did. Look, he's got a five-pitch repertoire that he brings to the table, and he's not always able to locate those pitches exactly where he wants them to. Uh, but he's got a four-seam fastball, and he works a cutter and a sinker off of that pitch. And that is where his bread and butter normally lies. So it's an ability where you have the same release point on a fastball, uh, a cutter, and a sinker, but the balls move in three separate directions, and it could be really difficult to pick up. And for whatever reason, he has had a lot of success against the Portland Sea Dogs. Now, we saw some signs that he was improving in his previous start against the Bowie Bay Sox, where he went five innings, allowed just one earned run and um, striking out seven. So it looked like things were turning around for him. And then he put it all together earlier this week on the 11th against Portland with those seven shutout frames. Again, seven strikeouts. And his two starts so far this season, Brandon, against the Portland Sea Dogs. 13 shutout innings, has only allowed six hits. He has walked four, and he has struck out 14. So he has had it working against the Sea Dogs. And if Wisniewski could start to put it together, you know, it's going to be so huge for this team because there was a stretch, uh, you know, especially in July where Wisniewski was getting hit really hard. There was that game where he allowed four home runs against the Richmond Flying Squirrels and seven runs total in the middle of July. But ever since that tough start on the 17th against Richmond, his last four times out, he hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in any of those four starts. And his two starts so far in the month of August, he's 2-0 with a 0.75 ERA. And almost more important than that, a 0.92 whip and a 182 batting average against. Opponents were hitting 333 
against Wesneski in his five starts in July. They're hitting just 182 so far against him in August. So players aren't barreling him up as much as they used to be. And if he can continue on this pace, I mean, he was very impressive in his time at Hudson Valley. He's a top prospect in the Yankees organization. We know he's there. Even with his struggles in July, he was moving up the ranks in Baseball America. He was moving up the ranks at MLB Pipeline. So scouts think very favorably of his stuff, and, and he's going to be another fun guy to watch moving forward. Well, another former uh, Hudson Valley renegade that made their way to the Patriots is Johnny Brito. And there's so much that we can say about Brito. I mean, just looking back at his performance Saturday night, to put it into context, the Patriots had dropped three of the first four in this series. They're trying to work their way back to a split. And then he fell behind early with a pair of unearned runs and an E6 in the first inning. He was down two to nothing and was on the hook up until the seventh inning. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but he has been so good for Somerset and through his first three starts has uh, three quality starts and a two and one record, a tough luck loss in there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just about gearing up for Brito. I mean, even in his first start against the Reading Fight and Fills, there were some issues early in the game for him before he eventually was able to settle down. Um, you know, so for Brito, if he's able to get through that first inning, uh, he's been so good. And he's not a guy that's going to strike out a ton. Though, you know what? I keep saying that. And he's got 18 Ks over 19 innings so far with the Patriots. He struck out eight on August 7th. He struck out seven his last time out. Israel calling card, at least numerically, uh, has been his lack of walks, where he's able to pound the strike zone and force the opponents to either put the ball in play or make a decision on his pitches. He's got a fastball that tops out around 93, 94, so he's not going to blow you away with the fastball, uh, but he's got a good changeup. That, that really works as his uh, secondary pitch of choice, and he's been able to get swings and misses so far, and you know this is a guy that's kind of flown under the radar in the Yankee system for some time. He had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, had a lost 2020 season, began the year with Hudson Valley, put up strong numbers there. There was a good amount of unearned runs that were, uh, that were charged against him in his time with the Renegades. But he's come here, and what he's done has been stabilize the back end of this rotation. The combination of Brito and Sean Semple now working as that four, those four or five starters, and then you have some of the upper echelon prospects like Medina, Waldachuk, and Wesneski for the top three, you know, fills out a rotation that Somerset can feel really good about. Well, the Patriots, a bit of a disappointing week. They drop four of six against the Portland Sea Dogs, but they do turn the page and take on the Altoona Curve on the road this week. We'll break that series down when we return on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. 
All right, so the Patriots, another important week against the Altoona curve, and uh, I think that's going to be something Patriots fans hear a lot. An important week down the stretch here. Each of the next five will have playoff implications, and that's because only the top two teams by record make the playoffs. Let's take a quick peek at the AA Northeast standings over in the Northeast League. Portland leads the way after they take four of six for Somerset. They're up a half game, and they have that uh, second spot in the playoffs. It's the Akron Rubber Ducks at 56 and 33 that have the top spot right now. Portland 53 and 35. Then uh, it is Bowie 53 and 35 tied with Portland and then Somerset a half game back there. Although Altoona is kind of in the mix. Erie a little bit in the mix as well. Mark, we talk about it nearly every day, but it's going to come down to the wire for this playoff push. It absolutely is. And, you know, there's so many teams that are so close that the standings can change considerably in just a one day's time. We were talking, we're recording this on Monday right now, on Sunday before the game in our pregame show, we were talking about how the Patriots found themselves in second place overall in the league and in a playoff spot, a half game up on the Portland Sea Dogs and a half game up on the Bowie Bay Sox. Well, what happened on Sunday was Patriots lost. The Bowie Bay Sox held on for a win. Bowie had a really a couple of really close games against Richmond, including one game. I think it was game one of a doubleheader they had on Saturday where Richmond was leading 9-5 to five going into the bottom of the seventh inning, and Bowie scored ten runs or five runs and, and won the game 10-9 to nine, or something along those lines. But now Bowie has won seven of their last ten. Akron has won eight of their last ten. And the Patriots are only three and seven in their last ten. So Somerset now finds themselves not only on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, but they have the fourth best record now in the league. The Bowie Bay Sox have leapfrogged them as well. Bowie's a half game up on Somerset. And now the Patriots are in that four spot. Really, we're still looking at four teams by and large, Portland, Akron, Bowie, and Somerset. Because after that, there's four and a half games that separate the Patriots and the Erie Seawolves. Erie and Altoona kind of beat up against each other this week. Uh, at one point, Altoona dropped four games in a row against Erie, which put the Seawolves back in a playoff discussion. Uh, and it's just qu- a quick side note on Erie. Brandon, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but there were three significant uh, roster moves for the Erie Seawolves. Ryan Kreidler, Spencer Torkelson, and Riley Green were all transferred up to AAA Toledo. And that is a, uh, that is a trio of significant losses for the Erie Seawolves. I mean, Torkelson's one of the top prospects in baseball. Yeah, that's three of their top four batters. And Green and uh, Kreidler had been there to start the season. Torkelson, just before our series against them at home, had uh, gotten the call up. So that was really exciting. But offensively, that is a huge hit. And uh, really, there aren't many other players in all of minor league baseball that can make up for those names. Yeah, it's, you know, we've been waiting for Riley Green to get, I know we're going on a tangent here, but we've been waiting for Riley Green to get transferred up to AAA for some time because he started the year in AA. But Spencer Torkelson was only in AA for, what, uh, five weeks? It's a little, I mean, he's been playing well. We were impressed, and, you know, he's a great prospect. But I don't know, it was a little surprising. I thought that Torkelson was likely going to finish the year with them. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to, and we've had this conversation a couple of times too, how are teams treating the missed year? Are teams slowing guys down? Are they ramping them up? 
Or, you know, well, I think the way we see the Yankees is things are relatively the status quo and how they've handled their prospects. But I think in this situation, Green, they slowed him down a little bit to make sure he could sustain success at the double-A level. But Torkelson, I guess they're just seeing so much that how do you hold him back a little longer? And, I mean, on the other night they played in a doubleheader. He went seven for seven with, what was it, three home runs? That might have done it. <laughs> that might have been enough to uh, to get him the call up. I want to turn back here uh, as we talk about the playoffs a little more. It's not time to really ring the alarm bell and, and totally go off the page if you're a Patriots fan. But as we set the stage, there are five weeks left. They play at Altoona, have a pair of series, so 12 games left against Akron, who has the top record right now in all of the double-A Northeast League. They see the Bowie Bay Sox one more time, and the Hartford Yard Goats is also their final home series there in the beginning of September. So there is a feeling that while don't sound the alarm, they probably need to be taking four of six or so on average in each of these next five series to really maintain their position. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I'm looking at that Hartford series as their final homestand. they got to pretty much sweep that series. I mean, Hartford is right now 31 games below 500. They have a 29-60 and 60 record. They are far and away the worst team uh, so far in the double eight Northeast League. So you have them at home, and you need to find a way to sweep that series or, or take five of six at least. And look, they've already swept Hartford once up in Hartford, Connecticut earlier this year. So it's certainly possible. Uh, But with all of these series, you know, it's not just that they need to take four of six because they need to maintain a strong record. It's that they're going up against teams that they're competing with for playoff spots. So it's not like there is an opportunity where they could get a lot of outside help during these series. Like, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to make sure that you beat Altoona so they're not in the conversation. If you want to make the playoffs, you have to make sure that you beat Bowie and you take that series, that season series, and you own that tiebreaker. Bowie and Somerset split the three, the six games at TD Bank Ballpark last week. So when you go to Bowie at the beginning of September, you got to take four of six because you want to make sure that you have that season tiebreaker and you don't want to have the Bowie Bay Sox gain any ground on you. And with the Akron Rubber Ducks, 12 games left, you got to find a way to take, what, what would it be, seven of, 7 of 12. So you could split a series on the road and take four of six at home or however the math shakes out. But, you know, these are series where you have to, and especially for Akron, the Patriots right now find themselves, what is it, um, three games back behind the Rubber Ducks. So you got to gain ground on Akron in addition to making sure that, uh, that you win games. So there's this whole combination of making sure that you win and the opponents that you're going up against, you got to make sure that they lose. And then there's some outside help as well. It's going to be a really exciting uh, home stretch for these final five weeks. For this coming week, the Patriots, again, on the road, they're taking on the Altoona curve. This is an Altoona squad that has dropped three of their last 10. So they're struggling a bit as well. But towards the top of their lineup, they have very familiar face in Diego Castillo, who has put up quite similar numbers over his first 18 games as he did with his near 60 games with Somerset Castillo, traded along with Hoy Park, 
to the Pirates. We've seen Park playing at the big league level a bit. Diego going right over to the Altoona curve. But uh, over 18 games, hitting 271. He has four home runs, so the power numbers are up there, as well as they ha- were with Somerset uh, getting on base at a 338 clip. I think to quickly touch on his time in Somerset, he was a big loss because he was a big-time clubhouse guy. I mean, he was loved around uh, the clubhouse with his teammates and uh, even some of the front office staff. Just a great personality and a really genuine guy. Yeah, you can't overlook the significance of a clubhouse guy in a long minor league season. Everyone describes it as a grind. You go through these 120 games in like 100 and what was it, 135, 140 days. You're playing day in, day out. You have these long bus trips and you need guys that are going to keep the clubhouse loop loose that, you know, when you get to the ballpark, you're excited to be there. You're excited to play in addition to just being a good player, which he certainly is. Uh, so it, it was it was a big loss. He was batting at the top of the order. If you plugged in Diego Castillo into this lineup right now, um, just think about the possibilities. I mean, the team hasn't even had Oswald Peraza, who we haven't talked about. He hasn't been with the club this entire week against against the uh, Portland Sea Dogs, and Peraza could have made a very significant difference in this series um, had he been playing. But you have Diego Castillo in here, and you know, not to knock somebody like Eduardo Torrealba or Oliver Dunn, who we're excited to see here at the AA level and see what they can contribute, but the, the lineup looks and feels a little bit different if Diego Castillo was in there. I mean, he was the player of the month for the league in June, and he had fallen on some tougher times in July uh, prior to getting traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. It wasn't the same month that he had in June, uh, but he's picked his play up ever since he's been traded over to Altoona, and so it's a significant loss for Patriots. It's a significant gain for the curve, and he joins, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a moment, Brandon, an infield that has a lot of talent for this, for this curve squad. Yeah, Altoona was in Somerset towards the uh, middle to end of July, there, the 20th through the 25th, and it was an even split. Tell me a little bit about what you remember from that series. Well, I've, the, the two big names that were missing from that series, O'Neill Cruz and Ronzi Contreras, and uh, looking at the active roster right now for the curve, we haven't gotten an updated roster, but in terms of what's active in, the, in our system, uh, O'Neill Cruz is still not active, and Rowanzi Contreras is still not active. So those are two very significant players for the curve that, uh, that are, weren't against Somerset the first time these two teams played and are still not a part of the roster as it currently stands, but that, of course, can change once this series gets going on Tuesday. Uh, but what I remember from that series is that there are some dangerous bats for the Altoona curve, specifically Mason Martin, who on the season right now is hitting 260. And Dermis Garcia has leapfrogged him for the league lead in home runs, but Martin still has 63 runs batted in. He's got a 545 slugging percentage. And, I mean, there were some swings, just some violent hacks for, for Mason Martin. He really stood out in that series. They had Kanan Smith and Jigba who I believe is still hurt at the current moment. He had um, pulled up a little short and had reached for his hamstring on trying to leg out an infield single in his time in in Somerset. And I don't believe that he's been activated since. Uh, He was a player towards the top of the order that was able to get on base pretty regularly. He's been an important player for Altoona this year. And of course, a former New York Yankee farmhand. Um, So if he's out of the lineup, we saw some good stuff from him in Somerset. If he's out of the lineup for the curve, this week. That is another significant loss. So then you're looking at other guys to contribute. 
And, you know, you're looking at somebody like Jiwon Bay, who had his first double-A home run in that series against Somerset. You're looking at somebody like Cal Mitchell, who is a really good, like, sixth man in the order. Like, somebody that's not going to, you know, put up huge power numbers all the time, but he's hitting for 270, uh, 270 average, 11 home runs, 45 RBI. Um, Arden Pabst, a guy who hits eighth or ninth in the order, he popped, like, three home runs against the Patriots in that series. So there's some serviceable players. Uh, on that squad, uh, specifically on the lineup, uh, they also you know made a couple of trades at the deadline. Uh, Jake Sawinski is a new player who they acquired in a trade where they sent Adam Frazier over to the San Diego Padres. Uh, so he's somebody certainly to watch. Uh, he has just uh, one home run over his first 17 games, but brought a good amount of power in his time earlier this season with Double A San Antonio. And then from a pitching perspective, there weren't many guys that really stood out to me. Um, and again, Rowanzi Contreras, somebody who is a very significant prospect, but uh, we didn't see him. So, you know, the, the main takeaways I had from that first series were the bats, but there are some notable bats that are missing from Altoona. And, you know, they dropped at 1.4 straight games this past week against Erie. And uh, they've, you know, we, we talked about them as a team that was really gearing up with a couple of these Pittsburgh Pirates trades as a team to watch for the, for the stretch run of the season. But, you know, they've dropped three of their last 10 and uh, find themselves right now with the sixth-best record in the AA Northeast League on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. So the Patriots certainly looking for a big week here against Altoona, and I think we can't quite uh, overstate just how important and how big of prospects O'Neill Cruz and Ronzi Contreras is. I mean, they're two of the top Pirates prospects. So if they're not available again, those are two really big losses, along with Kanan Smith and Jigba, former uh, Yankees minor leaguer. But looking from the Patriots' side of things, how do they kind of right the ship here this week? How do they come off of a pretty disappointing week, get right, and get right quickly? Well, I think there's going to be, you know, things are going to stabilize a bit this week. You know, we're, we're, we're still waiting to find out if any of the current Patriots rehab assignments travel with them on the road. Um, you know, I don't think somebody like Gary Sanchez or Corey Kluber are going to make the trip with the Patriots. Somebody like Clint Frazier is a possibility, but, you know, he was scratched before Sunday's game against the, uh, against the Portland Sea Dogs. So there's a chance that he doesn't make the trip either. But if that's the case, then, you know, the guys who are going to go on the road, these are the guys you have to rally behind. I think the playing time is going to be a little bit more consistent. I think that the, the time in between starts for these pitchers will probably be a little bit more on regular rest. So as weird as it may seem, because Somerset was just home for 12 days, this road trip honestly might be an opportunity for the Patriots to sort of collect themselves, find their footing, stabilize things, and then recognize that these are the guys that we have. These are the Patriots for the long run that are going to try to help us get into the playoffs. And that honestly, that could be a good thing. Because there were times this week where the team fell behind. Um, the lineup, you know, had a couple of big nights, but, but by and large didn't quite put together the strings of performances that we've grown accustomed to. The pitching struggled from time to time as well. The bullpen struggled more than we've seen uh, really since that five-game losing streak towards the middle of July. So it's just a lot of things kind of felt misplaced over the last couple of weeks. And this is an opportunity um, to really just – find level footing for this Patriots team again, and, and that could go a long way. I know I'd really like to see the Patriots get out early 
in ball games to have a clean first three innings on the pitching side and offensively get a couple runs on the scoreboard because it is hard to play from behind and when you're doing it consistently as you mentioned with all the different changes going on in the lineup uh, as they have over the last two weeks day to day it's tough to win ball games so I, I hope to see that and from a pitching standpoint to get back to the consistency again it ties back into what you were just saying but you know, over you look at the first half versus the second half. The first half, 17 games over 500. Now I think in the second half, they're two games under 500. What's the, the big difference? And it's a 2-9 ERA in the first half. And in the second half, it's an ERA uh, across the first 30 games over four. That is a substantial difference. And now in part, that's because the Patriots are very pitching heavy staff, right? So it does make sense that they were so good and the best really in all of the minors across that first half, but a huge drop off in the second half. So that's got to be a little better. And uh, I, I think, again, like you mentioned, that consistency in the staff will certainly lend its hand to a better overall product. As we look forward to a really exciting series against the Altoona Curve, the Patriots are on the road. They play at 6.30, first pitch Tuesday through Thursday night. Friday is at 7 o'clock and then back to uh, 6 o'clock start for Saturday and Sunday. Mark Schwartz will have all the coverage on uh, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. But we're not done yet on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. We still got to check in with all of the Yankees affiliates. That's coming up after the break. It's the Farm Report. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennolgolf.com to book a tee time today. Along with the Patriots, all of the other Yankees minor league affiliates continue their playoff push. Let's check in with them. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Tampa's week was upended by rain. Attempting to play six games with the Clearwater Threshers, the Tuesday opener actually was played, a 3-2 win for Clearwater. But then on Wednesday, rain came in, postponing the game, and then the same thing on Thursday when they tried to make it up as part of a doubleheader. Finally, on Friday, they did get a doubleheader in, and it was a sweep for the Tarpons, 6-0 in Game 1 and 5-3 in Game 2. In the opening game of that doubleheader, Beck Way flirted with a no-hitter, allowing just one run across six innings of work he also didn't walk anybody as Way, along with Carson Coleman, combined to one hit the Philadelphia Phillies' low-A affiliate. Game two of the doubleheader was won by Tampa 5-3. On Saturday, it was an afternoon game between Clearwater and Tampa, 
that was won by the Tarpons 4-3. Blas Castano got the win, his second with the Tarpons, and Trey Sweeney, the Yankees' first-round draft pick this year out of Eastern Illinois, hit his first home run with Tampa. In his last two games of the week entering Sunday, Sweeney has three hits, including the long ball. Tampa wraps up its series at noon at George Steinbrenner Field with Blaine Ambiata getting the start. Tampa enters play six games ahead of the Bradenton Marauders for first place in low A Southeast West. With this look at the Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. The Gades return to Dutchess Stadium after three straight losses in Brooklyn, capped by a 5-4 walk-off on Sunday. Hudson Valley hosted the Jersey Shore Blue Claws for the last time in 2001, and the team got off on the right foot, hitting three home runs in a 7-4 win on Tuesday night, including one from Anthony Volpe. Hughes deals a fastball driven to right center field, tracking back on his De La Cruz. Still back to the fence. He looks up. It is gone. Mitch Spence threw six innings of three-hit ball for the win. On Wednesday, Nate Fosnock's RBI single in the ninth gave the Shore the 7-6 victory. Austin Wells homered in the loss. The Everson Pereira show was on the marquee for Thursday. The 13th-ranked prospect in the Yankees' chain went 5-for-5 and drove in four with two home runs. The Gades won 8-4. Matt Sauer worked six and a third to get his first win. The score reversed itself on Friday as Jersey Shore won 8-4. The highlights for Hudson Valley were home runs from Volpe, Elijah Dunham, and Roberto Chirinos. Anderson deals to him, and he swings and drives it to right center field. Long run back. Still back at the fence. It's gone. Saturday was unique. Blue Claws starter Tyler McKay threw six perfect innings, while Randy Vasquez allowed three hits over seven scoreless. The game was barely an hour old when the Gades got their first runner in the seventh. However, they were no hit through nine as the game stayed scoreless. They picked up their first hit in the 10th and had several opportunities, but the Blue Claws pushed two across in the 12th for a 2-0 win. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. Over the last two weeks, Scranton Wilkesbury has fallen out of first place in AAA East Northeast. Heading into play on Sunday, the club is one game back now of the Buffalo Bisons. In AAA this year, it's the best overall record, so not only giving chase to Buffalo, but the Durham Bulls as well. Sunday is the finale of a 12-game, 13-day homestand with Worcester and Lehigh Valley in town. The Rail Riders needing a win to split the Lehigh Valley series, three victories apiece. On Saturday night, the old adage of seeing something new every time you go to a baseball game came true. After nine innings, the score was tied at five. Lehigh Valley went quietly in the top half of the 10th inning. The Rail Riders win it on a walk-off home half. Greg Allen, the pace of play runner at second. Cam Bedrosian walked Socrates Brito, walked Chris Gittens. The bases were loaded, and Lehigh Valley manager Gary Jones pulled outfielder Matt Veerling in from right and set up a five-man infield. Bedrosian goes 3-1 on Rail Riders outfielder Ryan Lamar. 3-1 pitch, swing and a miss. It gets away from the catcher. Allen's coming home, touches the plate. No indication of safe. No indication of a foul ball. The Rail Riders think they've won it. Lehigh Valley's all just standing there. They're showering Greg Allen in water, and the umps are leaving the field. Wow. What an unfathomable finish. It's a walk-off wild pitch. Not that unusual, certainly. 
A swing and a miss by Lamar. The ball gets past Raphael Marchand, the Iron Pigs catcher in the air, and hits home plate umpire Randy Rosenberg on the right shoulder, caroming away, allowing Greg Allen to score the winning run. Rail Riders first baseman Chris Gittens had homered earlier in the night. Here's his reaction to how the game finished. It was crazy. I've never been a part of anything like that, but I guess Lamar swung and missed. It went off the umpire and went out, and Greg Allen just scored. So they called it a swing, swing and strike, but Marshawn, the catcher, never went to go get it. Hey, I'll take it. A win's a win. I'll take it all day. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey health plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Alrighty, so a really exciting week ahead for Somerset. The next five are going to go by in a flash, so definitely don't blink as the Patriots continue their playoff push as it stands right now. They're on the outside looking in, but that can change in a day's time. They uh, start this six-game set on the road against the Altoona Curve. Tuesday through Thursday starts at 6.30, Friday at 7.00. And 6 o'clock starts on Saturday and Sunday. Mark Schwartz, as always, has all the coverage on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with the pregame show starting about 20 minutes before first pitch. Thanks so much for tuning in. For Mark Schwartz, I'm Brandon Pelter. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoy the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.